So it's been probably a million years since we recorded last. It has been time. I mean, honestly, the world has changed. I will say (laughs) like, I feel like it's been a hundred years. I feel like there's so much we have to talk about. And yet I probably collectively have done like four things, (laughs) but like, but (laughs) it's been so long since we've potted since we potted about it. You know, Mm, we have definitely, we we've peated, we peated, we have not potted. (laughs) You know, <laughs> lots of other things that start with P have been done, but not this. So, not this one. No. And this is, in case you guys were wondering, a quick tea episode. I believe it's quick tea number nine. Okay. So <laughs> quick, flash quick tea. And then here we are. So quick tea. Um, yeah, patent pending, by the way. So don't steal that sound effect. <laughs> Thanks so you. much. Um, thank you so much. We'll find the you. naming department actually quit. So. <laughs> they refused our rehiring offer because they said we should not have fired them to begin with. And we said we did. Which is a fair point. <laughs> but... Um, but I'm just saying if I'm angry and I can't fire you and immediately rehire you, then I don't want it. I don't want to work with you. You're not my type of creative. Thank you. Like, we're always with the option fighting. to immediately sever our ties. <laughs> Why are you offended? Back into the fold. Some call it bipolar. Some call it unstable. I call it a wise mm. business practice. So, you know, if I don't run my company like a medieval empire, what am I doing? At least I, I didn't doing? take you to the stake. You're welcome. The the pike. I didn't have you drawn or quartered. Not, not either one. No, none of the not torturous methods one. I could have done. <laughs> Nothing happened to you. So fun fact. Um, I told you guys before I did the last podcast. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. Mm. I genuinely miss it. But I was talking about going to my work party, which was really fun. Right. And it was at the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. So obviously we got like a little tour and it was oh. great. And I felt very good devices? about myself. No, but we did see all the crown jewels, which I would say was better. Oh, personally. <laughs> personally. So we were there and they were talking about like the history of it. And they were giving us like a mini tour and the beef eaters were giving us a tour, which was so cool because mm-hmm. they're like the traditional guards that live right. there. Yeah. Anyway. So one of them was talking about the. So, I'm sorry, uh, what are they called? Beef eaters. I'm beef eaters. Or yeah, beef like eaters. beef, beef, like <laughs> okay, okay. cattle beef. So here's eaters. my thing: I'm an getting, eater of beef. I'm getting a little bit of a cannibalistic vibe from the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're technically there. called like water yeomen as well. So water secretary, but they're they're no. <laughs> They are water admin, but they, they're known as beef eaters okay. and it's like a lifelong post. So it's, okay. it's a very prestigious role. Wow. I Point prefer bee feeders personally. I don't want to put that out there. I like the idea of feeding the bees. I'm out there. But anyway, right. they were talking about... They were talking no, about you should see in a space, and she said, "Anyway, she was like, anyway." Like I just want to make this one point. Okay. It's not even that good. <laughs> Let me do this sorry, before the moment this, is, is gone. TCT, we don't do this. I'm sorry. It's been no, two I weeks. Know. I know. Okay, I want I'm... your point right now. 
say it's it. just it's gonna lose it's gonna lose its heat you know yes. it's gonna okay. lose so its the beef eaters the beef. gave you the pour so the beef the eaters were giving tour. us the tour <laughs> and they were talking about all of the people who'd been through specific gateways like where the queens of england that henry married all came mm-hmm. through before they died things like that <laughs> rip really cool stuff for me a history nerd probably less cool for people who grew up in britain whatever the point being <laughs> here's the point <laughs> we were out we were outside of the trader's gate across right. from the bloody tower and I basically <laughs> we just call it a gate here, i'm an american hey. we call it a gate. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just call it a picket fence but i mean you do you it's the same it's fine so, <laughs> it's the exact same thing but William Wallace, the Scottish rebel, was dragged mm-hmm. up the traitor's gate and they were saying that he was hung, drawn, and quartered. And I didn't even think about it. And I turned to my colleague and I was like, at least it's in that order, because really you don't want to feel any of the drawing or quartering, you know, because <laughs> I don't need to go into the full depth of medieval torture, but it's worth a Google. You know, you they are were quite literally divided. You are divided from your body. So I would say I would definitely opt for a good hanging before I have to be drawn and quartered. Love love the hanging. Just break my neck. Call it a day. But the thing is their, their goal was not to kill you. Their goal was to make you you. asphyxiate until you like pass out, but not kill you. And then take you out and be like, ha now we're going to draw and quarter you. See, I want, I'm going to wriggle around as much as I can to target the the point that would actually suffocate me and you're like die die <laughs> die <laughs> <laughs> uh, i actually i probably would have committed suicide before i would have been taken to prison back then so this is where gen z comes in when they're like drawn and quartered and they're like paint me like one of your french girls because <laughs> they're just making random 90s references <laughs> gen z leave the chat thanks <laughs> The chat was less rainbow and sunshiny place without you. And we really still don't that. know anything. So, <laughs> my coworkers and I were talking today about yeah. Gen Z being woke. And my thing was, my thing. Go on. Okay. Make your point. I'll hold it inside. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> Hannah put both fingers up. Like she had really something like exciting to say. Now I'm distracted. Ew. But all I'm saying is that you can't be woke if you've never left your hometown. Uh, yeah, the we never done. <laughs> we never. Left. What did I say? We none never leaved. Or something. We ain't none never leaved. That crew, you cannot yeah. be woke. Um. So my colleague, my whole life is work now. Oh my gosh, my what colleague. a businesswoman. So my <laughs> my colleague. Yeah. Um, I can't pronounce words. Apparently, I consider myself an educated person, and let, yet this has happened to me on multiple occasions where I've made not just an error in pronunciation that is like brief and passing and fleeting and nobody notices, but something that has caused laughter because it's so wrong. Um, so I was trying to say crack addict. And what I said was crack addict. (laughs) Also on this list, clitoris. Uh, I think you mean the elegant dinosaur clitoris. (laughs) I think that's what you mean. (laughs) They were herbivores Um, just in case you (laughs) Girl, they ate meat, you know. Oh, they ate that meat. Did they eat that meat? Here's the point. (laughs) My colleague said to me, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, have you seen uh, Donald Trump's tweet, like, message about the Olympics? And I was like, 
didn't oh. Twitter like ban him for a thousand centuries? Like how, how is he messaging anyone? Like what's he doing? Is he faxing people? How is he, how is he talking to people? <laughs> <Carrier>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's using a lot of smoke signals these days. So and they're very dramatic, but he, he put out some sort of a message and I think it was like a Facebook post or something to that effect, but it, he was really scraping the barrel here. But he was talking about the Olympic team and like the gymnasts specifically. And he was like, obviously, the gymnasts were liberal agenda to try to get people to bend. All liberals want is bending. We hate bending. <laughs> bending causes flexibility. Flexibility causes communism. We all know it. So, But he was going on and on about like the gymnast, the gymnasts being mm. liberals. Do you think and- he, he knows it's their job to be flexible or? You know, I don't think he really studies for these, you know, I think he just lets them go. But he said those liberal leftist wokesters oh no <laughs> I was Grandpa. like <laughs> I love wokesters I would like to be a wokester so <laughs> next to my Instagram like name and pronouns eventually someday will be wokester full-time wokester <laughs> I I think it's great that if we do put wokester I think that most people that fall on a certain side of the political scale will probably take us very literally Oh, you're a wokester. Oh, I don't like you anymore. (laughs) Oh, you're a socialist. (laughs) Yes, that's what that means. You hate children and you want the apocalypse tomorrow. I get it. I get it. (laughs) You're a Nazi. Okay, I'm clear. (laughs) So anyway, um, the name of the game is Quick Tea and we are bad at it. (laughs) And we're bad. But in other news, we're going to be talking about trauma responses. And there's a specific reason that we're going to be talking about this is because we have them. Obviously we are PhD experts in reactivity being triggered and going into our trauma spaces and living life from there because it's a warm, cozy cave, <laughs> but basically but it's a decorated cave, you know, it's nice. It's furnished. It has Homely. some very eclectic pieces. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> very moving (laughs) (laughs) all right so anyway so trauma (laughs) trauma has made us funny which people should know by now thousands of years of female oppression trauma has made us funny point being minko's eating something give me just one second (laughs) minko's devouring a cushion who knows All right. It was plastic. Just so the people know (laughs) she's fine. Uh, She's in full recovery. Thank you for your (laughs) kind wishes and concerns. Um, Thank you so much. We accept checks. You don't have to be the government to send me money. It could be literally anybody. Honestly, I'm so broke right now. Please. No, seriously. I have no money. I got paid. I I have no money. (laughs) I have no money at all. It's like a vortex comes every time I get paid and it's like, Oh, man. oh, your money's gone. <laughs> I wake up at 2 a.m. just and I check my bank account just to see. I'm like, oh, I got paid. And I wake up at 9 a.m. and it's back to a zero balance. And I don't know what happened. So I don't know. <laughs> we're not in Kansas anymore. Who could say? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about trauma. Right. <laughs> Which is, money is one of my traumas. So it's relevant. So. It is. It is relevant. But the reason that we're going to be talking about it is actually Emma had a really like she's really good about putting notes in our note podcast chat. I'm always terrible about it. Just right when I feel. Uh, but she's really very uh, she's a very prodigious note taker in this chat and it's been very helpful for our organizational standards so I just wanted to point mm-hmm. that out well done Emma golf Thank clap, golf clap. 
Um, <laughs> yay. So she was talking about it rel to something that's been happening in her life recently. So let's dive into it. This is a quick tea. So let's make this quick tea. Okay. Um, so <laughs> my Miko screaming my trauma responses right now by being out of my peripheral. So that's one. No, um, honestly, I, what you don't know most often hurts you. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't know has the potential to kill your pets. So what you don't know is literally one of the most triggering things in the world. <laughs> Terrified. So I have cameras in my home. Uh, no, but really. Um, so I have been I've dipped my toe in back out in and out of the dating pool god knows how many times this year and on my most recent dip in we're now out again and then we're briefly back in and then recently out again considering going back in we're just we keep hoping it's kind of when you open the fridge thinking different snacks will appear (laughs) it's like that but it never happens it's like when you go into your kitchen and you're just hoping that a bag of takeout is just sitting there like oh look Chinese how did I get here oh no uh, exactly what I wanted. Great. Thank you, universe. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> um, that's never happened to me in my life. And, <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this because I have a tendency to utilize trauma responses when I meet somebody. Yeah. And that is because I am subconsciously looking for a reason to need to have this response. So I will create in my head, the reasons why someone is behaving towards me a certain way, because in past relationships, I have had them ignore me to punish me. I've had them treat me coldly, cold shoulder, you know, like all kinds of different techniques that they've used. And a lot of times if someone is maybe like not sure about you or you've just met and like, it's, it's still pretty early days, casual. And if I don't hear from them, by a certain time, or if they don't talk to me the exact same way that they did the other day, that triggers a trauma response in me to create the narrative in my head of why they must be feeling that way. And because they're feeling that way, now I have to respond in this way. And that is a trauma response for me. And I've had to really have conversations with myself about, and I'm stubborn. So let me tell you, getting me to sit down is difficult her schedule's impossible. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are you napping again? Get up. So <laughs> we didn't have this talk right now. Um, I need to have really like, I need to suss out, is it a trauma response or is it reality? And I'm responding correctly. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's a fine line to walk and I often wobble. Yeah. And I, I would say, I think it also has to do with your personality type. If you're somebody mm-hmm. who's very heady they're they're very like introspective they're constantly thinking about what other people are thinking and how they're reacting to situations then this is going to be i would say more prevalent in your life i don't think it's more common but it's just going to be more apparent uh that your trauma responses to certain situations are coming out in you know your romantic life and your friendship life for me a lot of my trauma responses are tied up in like object permanence and Mm -hmm. then taking everything really personally. So like, I didn't really have a super stable childhood. Not that it was bad. It just had a lot of flux, like a lot of change. And so I think one of the things that I had to deal with really early on with my now husband was when you tell me that you like me, or when you tell me that you love me, it's not changing day to day. It is a constant status of being because for me, especially, you know, in my later teen, early 
twenties, male validation was very fluid. It was like, Oh, I like you today, but now I don't like you. Or like, Oh, I might like you. So I'll decide tomorrow. And, and it was just never something that was, I should have done the work earlier to affirm myself, but it was never something that was constant. So I always thought it was like slipping away. Like you just couldn't keep the rope in your hands. It was always like slipping out of your grasp. And I think with, um, making it personal. A lot of that is actually friendship trauma. I've had a lot of really not terrible friendships, but just friendships where people have really taken advantage of me and really betrayed my trust. And, um, this is an anecdote from junior high. So it's not like she's not talking about me. Okay. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) The, um, no, this, this anecdote is, is kind of, you know, menial is from junior high, but Mm -hmm. it, it's still something that I think about and not in like an everyday, like it's an open wound, but it's something that I, when I'm experiencing a trauma response, I go, oh yeah, these types of things are why I'm feeling this way. And it was, two of my best friends that I spent like all the time in the world with, I just noticed that they were acting funny and I'm, I tend to be a very feeling focused and like intellectual person. So if I feel like something's off, I'm going to start evaluating it in my head and go over it. And like, why is it off? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And eventually I found out that they had been keeping a notebook that they'd been passing back and forth where they would like write down how much they didn't like me. And just like all of these really negative things about me, which of course, because I'm Sherlock Holmes and a female body, I figured out and I finagled my way into staying at the one girl's house because it was her weekend with the notebook. They had, they had schedules. Like this was some serious stuff. It's like a class pet. So <laughs> it was like Harry, the hamster. <laughs> this was her weekend. So I waited until she went to bed. The notebook. I waited time. until she went to bed and I crept. No. And I, and I pulled out the notebook from her backpack and I just read it. And of course I was really sad. And I cut them out of my life after that, even as a junior high kid, like my immediate response, if I think that something is not genuine or that if someone hurts me is to cut you out and pull away. Like mm-hmm. I, I never stay at, at ground zero. I never stay at the scene of the crime. I'm always like, I'm out by like, I want nothing to do with you ever again. And I think having trauma responses is really normal and people don't always talk about it. Like it's, it's really normal, but also doing work to not only highlight where those are in your life, but how to get around them. So you're not constantly in the state of reactivity is really important. I had a very similar experience with two friends when I was in high school that they had been previously really close. And then in junior high, I sort of entered their fold. And this was like junior, we'd been friends for a while at this point. This was like junior year. We were all started hanging out in like seventh grade. So I became very close to them and suddenly they were just like cold shouldering me. One of them certified sociopath and her mom encouraged this behavior. She would like deliberately set me up to make me look bad to the other friend who didn't know that it was so diabolical. She just like had her own like issues that they weren't addressing with me, but it wasn't quite as like like it just wasn't that, that deep for her, you know, like, I don't think she knew that this was good. I hope she, she didn't because we worked things out. And then the third friend sort of became the one that we were like, you're crazy. <laughs> Bye. But she would like tell, so our third friend didn't have a car and we both did. So it was like, we'd alternate who'd pick her up for school. So she didn't have to ride the bus. And I remember I was in my homeroom that day and the third friend texted me. She's like, where are you? And I was like, well, so-and-so said that she was going to get you this morning. And so, um, she would come back through and would be like, no, she said you were going to get me. And like, so she would like play me this way where she would tell the third friend, one thing, tell me another so that I became like the like enemy basically. Mm. And 
that, I think that gave me more trust issues than any man has ever given me before ever, because these are two people like, you know, it was just, it was, and it really just, I think it came down to like a jealousy thing. She saw the third friend and I getting close and that shook a nerve with her and she's a very insecure individual. So, um, yeah. Hey, if you're listening, that was pretty messed up. But I think people don't talk about the fact that your early childhood wounds. So like we always talk about relationship wounds and obviously those are important and those yeah. will affect you, but like early childhood wounds and friendship wounds also affect your dating life. Because as we've said, probably nigh on a million times, if you're friends with the person, you're going to have a better relationship. Mm-hmm. Like if you start out as friends, or at least if you develop the friendship congruently, like you're going to have a better relationship. Cause if you're mm-hmm. just focused on like how hot they are, they're going to get less hot over yeah. time. Big it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I joke about my daddy issues, right? Because like, it's something everyone says like, Oh, I have daddy issues. Like, I don't know what that means for a lot of people, but for me, it means that I have an abandonment complex because of my parents divorced when I was, I think I was seven when it officially happened, but the separation started occurring near when I was five. So like, that's when this, the trouble started, so to speak. And so for two years, you know, that's something we, like, we went through, but I developed a really bad separation anxiety after that, which has impacted every relationship I've ever had friendship or otherwise, because mm-hmm. that's, it, it manifests as a need for validation. Not like as a, it wasn't because of how I looked necessarily. Like I got teased for being fat because, you know, that's what happens in middle school. Yeah. Whatever. You are over 0.5 ounces. You get teased for being fat. So like, but I never really considered myself fat. Like I didn't look at myself, especially at that age and thought like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. You know, like that was just something people said, but what the issue that it really came down to was that my validation, the need for that wasn't because of how I looked, but because like the one male figurehead that I had, who's supposed to teach you, like, this is how men should treat you, you know? that person left me for strangers, like literal strangers to us. So that's where that need for validation came from. So that's why it extends for me beyond just men and into friendships. Yeah. Well, and, and when you are like, I'm reading a lot about the Enneagram personality types right now, but Mm -hmm. when you are a child and you're experiencing trauma, you're developing coping strategies that you're going to use the rest of your life. So people who are really like people focused, who are helpers, who are always like trying to read the room and be the person who can like meet every single need that came from a space of coping because they did not feel like their needs were important. And and, and so through their childhood, they developed these coping strategies and now it makes up a large facet of your personality. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with different facets, but the point being like, your trauma responses are really important. So with this most recent dip of the toe slash slight dunk of a finger <laughs> into the dating pool. It was an awkward position. I got to tell you, I almost, but basically it never amounted to anything and mm-hmm. you weren't sure mm-hmm. when to draw the line of like, Hey, actually this amount of time is too long for me to go investing in you without you making an effort to equally invest in meeting me and hanging out with me and putting me into your day beyond just like a texting relationship. Well, I think this is the first time I've really felt like I stuck to the boundaries that I established at the start. Like normally I feel that I'm very bad at sticking to my guns in this way, which is a trauma response of mine, because like if I'm giving you what you need, then that to me means that you have a reason to stay. And that was something that I employed at all my past relationships. And it's just a habit at this point. So this time I was like, no, like this is my limit. And if you can't get with it after this amount of time, 
like then we have nothing left to do here. And normally what I would have done in the past was I would have extended that and kept going and going and ultimately allowed myself heartache over someone that I really didn't even know. And this is probably the first time that I've had a sort of a sort of um, any kind of response that wasn't that before. So uh, we love a personal growth moment, (laughs) but on the other side of it, sticking to your boundary, do you feel good? Yeah, of course. And it's funny because in one situation, I might be sticking my boundary and another one I may not have, you know, and they can happen simultaneously. And it's a very odd dichotomy for me. Yeah. And it's, and I hope that no one listening to this feels that hand. I think that we're high and mighty because we are so open about this because I slip back. I'm a hypocrite, like all the time, like all the time. Like I'm saying it's important to work on your trauma responses because I have them and I deal with them still, not because I'm on the other side of them looking back like, oh, you poor souls. How are you dealing with this? Mm -hmm. Like it. And so one of the things that I recently discovered that I told Emma about that I hope she has continued with, because I definitely have, but there was a psychologist who was talking about the value of naming your mind so that you can, especially if you're a really intellectual overthinker, like if you're very much in your head about things, you can have kind of dialogues with yourself in a way that actually helps you sort out how you feel and helps you deal with like anxiety responses and things like that. And it's naming your brain. So my brain is named Martha. Uh, are we sticking with Lois for this? Lois and I have had yep. some great conversations and, and genuinely like, it sounds a bit daft. Like it sounds like, okay, you're, you're naming your brain you freaking cool. new age weirdos, <laughs> but it really, really helps because mm-hmm. I had a moment like the other week where I was like, my husband is not doing what I expected of him in this scenario. He doesn't really love me. And I just immediately was able to go. Martha is wrong about that. Like my husband really loves me and my husband is dedicated to me and he is doing something right now that I may not totally understand, but my husband loves me and is dedicated to me. So it creates like you it puts you in more of a courtroom scenario than like where you can argue back and forth than mm-hmm. just in a chair where like all of these things that are just closing in around you that you are accepting as true. Cause not mm-hmm. every thought is true. Not every thought is helpful. And most thoughts are not true or helpful. <laughs> like well, yeah. they just it, happen. It separates your brain from you for a moment. Yeah. And I think my issue I, I deal with all the time is that I assume that if I've thought it, that it must be true because my, my brain and I are obviously intrinsically linked to one another. And I've yeah. read a book and I haven't, it was a long time ago, so I couldn't tell you all the details and I don't, I don't have it anymore, but it's called, you are not your brain. And it's a whole book about being able to separate, especially the impulse thoughts, which everybody experiences. And sometimes they're untoward and they are inappropriate and you literally can't help them. They just, they just happen. Yeah. And I had the hardest time disassociating myself with them because I was like, well, it's my brain. So that must be a secret desire of mine or like a real thing that I feel. And someone else told me once, I think I just read it somewhere that like, the first thought you have is what you've been conditioned to think. And the second one is how you actually feel. Well, and the, the psychologist that I was talking about for like the naming your brain thing, he calls like quick thoughts that happen without you wanting them ants, automatic negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And in my mind is a really easy metaphor because it's like, if you have ants in your house, it doesn't always mean you're a dirty person that you have like food lying out ants happen. They get in, they're small, they're quick. They get into spaces that you don't invite them into. 
And so if you have an automatic thought that is not something that you want to be thinking about, you know that it's not your thought. It's just a thought that has occurred in your brain. And therefore it's not exactly how you feel or true or valid or relevant. It might just be something that you're, you're entertaining for the moment. Mm -hmm. And so catching and sifting through those little thoughts is really important because exactly what you said, like every single thought is not a truth that has occurred to you. It's just the thought that's passing through. Mm -hmm. Like, And you consider how much we have to be exposed to, like available to us, like atrocities, even that like you would never even consider like, oh, I don't condone this, but like you read about it or you saw something on TV about it or you heard about it. Like those thoughts come to mind. And I have what's called true OCD in that these kinds of we're, we're very susceptible to this kind of thinking it's, it's a spiraling thought process but it's it's really really common amongst true there's very specific types of thought patterns that come with your ocd and i won't go into the specifics but just some stuff that comes up you're like oh my god like i'm a terrible person i can't believe i would even think that you know but again like those things exist in the world regardless of of you being there or not and your actions so the fact that some of that stuff comes to mind it doesn't it doesn't mean anything about you yeah so i think in terms of like closing the loop on trauma responses, I think we should talk dating and friendships, but my perspective would be don't live there. Like don't mm-hmm. stay in the very nicely decorated cave. Make sure that if you're noticing these patterns in your life and you're noticing kind of the same fight happening over and over or the same reaction to different situations, but like you're reacting the exact same dissect that do a postmortem on it. You know, you don't, you don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over because that's the definition of insanity, expecting different results, like go through it and figure out what you're doing and how that relates back to an experience that you've had, because that's all I did. You know, like I had therapy, but I had therapy for a specific set of issues and I don't have continuous therapy. So I, myself, like I would recommend getting therapy, especially if you're not able to really dissect these things. But if you get a toolkit from a therapist, I think the thing that you're supposed to do with that is dissect these things yourself and go, actually, this is a trauma response to this, this, and this, this is why it was triggered in this situation. And this is how I can move forward and try to avoid it. And it's not going to be foolproof. You know, it's not going to be hundred percent like, Oh, I'm never going to deal with a trauma response again. I'm just going to be a totally normal human because that doesn't exist, but it, it will help. It will help to hone those skills and then you'll get fewer and fewer triggering moments where there that you can't diffuse yourself mm-hmm. well if you're like me and i'm super unique so maybe like none of you are because i'm one of <laughs> I'm obviously a very unique <laughs> person great. basically no one's ever been like me I'm but fantastic. if you are <laughs> um i personally one of my responses is to sort of i don't know if it's maybe maybe play up my position in someone's life before I really can. I have to be very conscious of staying rooted in reality. And I also have to stay conscious of not allowing my mental state in my very essence to be impacted by someone who like, I don't even like, granted, like when I was in deep relationships, like of course it impacted me. Like I was super deeply embedded in their lives. But if you're pre like maybe even like three months, like there's really, no reason to let someone that into your head and into like your, your, your heart. Like it's, I, maybe it's just like, I, I I feel everything or I feel nothing. I don't really feel like I have an in-between phase and I don't know if it's a flaw or if it's just something I need to work on. I kind of feel like I am just that way. 
Um, I think that can be a facet of your personality without it being a growth point. Like the fact that you're a very invested person is a huge asset. As long as you're investing in the right things, it's when you have the wrong investments that it can be problematic. So, yeah, I mean, Hannah sent me something like this. And my mom sends this stuff to me also when I'm kind of like in my head, just like, you can't let someone you really don't even know. Like, and I swore to myself after a different guy ages ago, like I can't like this one, once again, like it's a trauma response and it takes work. So like usually the first time I say, I'm not going to do this again, is not the last time I'm going to, I'm going to do it, like not do it again, whatever. Um, and, And that's just not letting them impact my whole day. You know, like I realized I was giving into, I was almost feeding it, you know, and I had to really step outside of that box and be like, okay, I'm going to listen to music that has like nothing to do with feelings whatsoever. I'm going to like, I went to like a Y2K moment and I listened to like Britney Spears and like A-teens and things like that. I was like, because it, it takes me out of that moment of allowing myself to feel pity for myself and to feel bad for myself. Yeah. So you know, at that point, I think that's really, I don't feel that I disassociated or like, didn't feel the same way about anyone, the specific person who's, who's come to mind, but I do feel that it helped me like manage it better as far as the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, and it's hard because when you're in the moment, it feels really critical and it feels like something that it's very valid that you're stressing this much over, but you have to put every single relationship, friendship or otherwise in context, you know, how long have you known this person? Are you going to give them six days of your life stressing about them when you've known them for a week? Mm-hmm. That's almost the same amount of time. Like how, how much time are you going to spend? How much energy are you going to dedicate? How much are you going to let it affect your mental well-being? to, as to whether or not this person likes you as to whether or not this person has time for you in their life. Like if they have not invested a ton in you, and if you haven't known them a really long time and had really good, solid foundation of relationship with them, then it doesn't it's not fair to you to allow them to affect your mental health that way Mm -hmm. as far as trauma responses go I think we've covered the gamut for the most part um I would suggest when you're having a moment where you think you're going to give into one try to name your brain and have a conversation about it or what I did before that was I created something to keep me busy because if I'm focused on something else I don't have time to focus on responding in the way that I normally would. So for me, that's putting down my phone, putting it on vibrate, putting it to my side and then going and doing something else in a different room. Yeah. I don't usually name things like my processes, but one just came to mind of like, stop, drop and roll, you know, the like old fire drill thing, Mm -hmm. stop in the moment, drop anything that feels like a huge burden on you that is not yours to own. So their reactions, their feelings, their perception of you, you, you can't control that. There's physically nothing that you can do to change it one, mm-hmm. one way or the other. So drop that and then roll with the punches, like try to figure out what is working, what isn't working, where, where you're feeling pushed or triggered or prodded and, and go through that with a fine tooth comb and try to figure mm-hmm. out and suss out what's going on. And like, what do you want? Yeah. Like, Lorelai, can you not? Lorelai agrees. <laughs> what yeah. do you want? Like, what do you because want? I'll tell, tell you what I don't want is to sit here on a Friday night wondering if so-and-so likes me. Like, I don't want Who that. Who you don't know from Adam. There's like, an expression in South Africa that I love that somebody said it and I was like, what? <laughs> 
you don't know them from a bar of soap. I saw that in a book recently. Like literally, I think I was reading Big Little Lies and someone said that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It basically means like, you don't know them from Adam. You don't know them from anybody. Yeah. It's it's at the end of Big Little Lies, which is an Australian author. So I guess it's maybe just a, you know. I don't know. There's something in the States. No one ever says that. So it's interesting, but it's, it's, I, I, I'm, well, my closing thoughts guys is be aware of your own responses and don't want, don't beat yourself up over them because yeah. we, we can't help that these are our traumas. All we can do is hone our responses and try to be constructive and yeah. grow from them rather than give into them every time. Yeah. And you know, um, I guess just check in with yourself. Like when you're, when you're giving into a response, try to be cognizant of it and be like, why am I giving into this? You know, is it what I want? Do I want to be this kind of person? Do I want to be Emma who sits around and obsesses over boys that she doesn't really like that much? No. Well, and, and I will also say having community is so important for this. Mm -hmm. Cause like, if I'm going through a trauma response, I message Emma. And if Emma's going through a trauma response, she messages me. So I would also encourage you, if you don't have somebody like that, like obviously, hopefully you have somebody like that in your immediate life who can react and respond with you. But if not message the TCT Instagram, I mean, we are happy to help. Honestly, we love other people's drama because we have so much of our own. (laughs) 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 Seriously. It's such a mental break. (laughs) And only Hannah and I monitor the Instagram. No one else. Yeah. It's totally private. So it's not going to be something that is going to get out or something that we're going to use as podcast fodder. Mm, This would just be a resource that we offer. We would never, ever be like so-and-so like an unnamed source. Like we don't do that. With, we have had somebody ask us to tell a story once, which we different. are happy to do. We would love we to do that. So right? happy to do that. But unless you expressly say, please let the public know about this, we've never yeah. ever will. No, of our own volition, we would not tell people. So and on that note, I think that closes out this quick little tea. This quick tea. So we've missed you guys. You have a lot more coming at you this week of <sighs> our voices. So we're preparing you with it. So we are quite literally smacking you over the head. So, so <laughs> I am Hannah. And I am Emma. Oh, now oh. that is tea. Oh. Yay!